Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years. I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors, and my main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisor. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigue to learn how company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and the motivation of people behind their own companies. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Kunal about his journey in dog security. Kunal, can you please tell us about yourself and the company? Yeah, absolutely, Evgeny. Thanks for having me. So I'm basically based in California, in the Bay Area. I've been working in cybersecurity since I was very young, eight, nine years old. And then from there, I a lot of the hacking and black hat side of things to actually joining Symantec and Forcepoint after university for about 10 years. And after that, just last year, founded this company, Dope Security. Uh, it's been an amazing journey and really exciting and happy to be here talking about it with you. Great. So maybe in elevator pitch, you can explain what does Dope Security, what Dope Security does. Yeah, so today you have a variety of different cybersecurity solutions that get installed onto your devices and things like that. One of those most important ones is what we call a secure web gateway, kind of a part of protecting your web access or securing your web access. And if you think about it, all of these technologies today, the way they work is they take your laptop, they take every single internet access that occurs and reroutes it to a data center. And it's a little, you know, kind of, out of the way, right? You're going from your laptop to a data center, it gets processed and decrypted there, and then it goes on to your destination. And what we say is that it's like you taking a flight from San Francisco to Los Angeles and then stopping over in New York for a security check. And it's just not the best way of doing things. And what we've done is completely re-architect it with a fly direct model where you do the security check on the device, which means you no longer have the reliability problems, the performance problems, or the privacy issues, and everything just works really well. Great. Thank you very much. So you mentioned that you guys are relatively young, and you also work with at least very big companies that deal in cybersecurity, Forcepoint and Semantic. So what was going in your head that you kind of decided to change, and then you probably already alluded that other companies doing it differently, but I'm wondering what was in the moment, like what was the Eureka moment that, okay, I can do it stuff differently and I actually want to go do it. Yeah. So they're big companies for almost 10 years, right? I didn't immediately think, hey, let's start our own company. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, that unless there's a big market that has a big problem, I would want to go after that. And as I started to see the issues firsthand when I was at these companies, that is what motivated me. Hey, I think we can do something a little different but also do something that gets exciting for myself and for the team members. Cause a lot of our team members come from these companies. And so we could do it by ourselves and make an exciting future for everyone. Okay. So what happened next? How do you actually win and check that your idea is going to be something people yeah. like? Well, so I, the first things first is taking that leap of faith, right? You have to just leave the organization and decide what are you going to do? And a big part of that journey is once you've left, because you don't have anything to fall back on, right? I mean, you have your savings and things like that, but you need to figure out very quickly, what is it that you want to do and why is it going to be different and what's the thesis for that? And for me, I was, I would say very lucky in that the work that we were 
starting to see as a problem and that I was see, starting to see this problem directly related to a solution that people resonated with and venture capitalists re resonated very well with. So in the midst of a few months, we were able to go kind of the concept to designs, to actually raising the funds and actually hiring everyone in four, four-ish months. Did you went to multiple CISOs or security managers to kind of feed them with your idea and understand if there's something you're going to buy when you're going to develop it? Yeah, so when you're doing the the fundraising process, there's a little bit of, I mean, especially at a seed level, I think that there's a little bit of kind of a check. Someone needs to, either they themselves can be convinced of something or there's going to have to be external sources to actually validate it. So of course, I had done my homework and gone and done this, but most of the VCs, especially the kind of the folks that are doing this for a very long time, they have like a set of CISOs that they reach out to and say, hey, can you take a look at this product? and see whether or not this product would be something that you would use. Okay. And I'm wondering in this case, because you were competing with a lot of big guys, wouldn't they say, but you already have this company. We don't need this another one. We don't want another agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people did say that, right? And I think the convincing part that I had, and of course there was the, that was a part of our story is that of course, there are very large organizations doing this. What are the fundamental pain points that I had to live every single day, but not just myself, but a support person at that company has to live or the manager that's actually managing the software has to do, go in and live every single day. Now, they resonated really well with that. And even conceptually, the folks that were investing in us saw that this is different, not just from a product perspective, not just from an architecture perspective and user experience, but actually from a vibe. Like the idea of dope security was very compelling. I like what you just brought because this is one of the first time me interviewing people when somebody say, not how we just cool my product, but the back part. How are you going to support it? You know, everybody liked the idea. Oh, I'm going to buy Tesla. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. <laughs> then you see, I got this amazing car but nobody helped me in the support or oh, they broke down after two days so we got yeah. the vibe but when we got the nice shiny toy and we have problems and everybody have problems i don't believe any companies don't have problems it's how you actually mm -hmm. find troubleshoot and have the support so let's go deeper there what is different yeah. in your idea of how support should be done that makes sure people like the product happy to use it and basically, we have this idea of stickiness. We want customers mm -hmm. to stay and be sticky with us, and we don't want to lose them after a year or two or three. I mean, they're all good points, right? So the reason why I mentioned that is because I come from a world where we are, I guess it's just the way that, like, after you start doing product management, everyone has a different background. Like, some people are building things from scratch. Some people are taking existing products that have issues and trying to make them better and make them grow. And so at Symantec, it just happened to be that, you know, they, I, have, I had a lot of products that had a lot of support issues, had a very large amount of money coming in every year, but was either steadily steady or decreasing slightly. And the whole question was, how do you make those things work better? And the first thing that I used to find the most helpful out of anything, whether at any of these big companies, is look at the support cases. What are people complaining about? And that fundamentally is why Dope Security's product works the way it does. I mean, you used it yourself, right? I mean, some of the things that we've done is make it so easy for someone to just sign up instantly. 
the other thing is that if they need to have a support ticket, they just email us and we have on our end a set of very trained, very incredible engineers that can go in and actually answer your queries very quickly. So there's a lot of stuff that went into that. And in general, when you click on something, it explains to you what you're about to do. And our UX team, which is led by actually Erica, who's incredible at design, you can see for yourself, she went in and made sure that every single time there would be a problem, we say in a note, hey, by the way, did you look at the instructions for this, just in case you have a problem? And every single time we do that, it's so that we can ensure that there's not a problem later. Makes sense, I like it. So you have an idea, you validated the idea, you raise some money, you starting building the team. Let's go in the process of building a team. It's not easy. And yeah. by me talking to many people, we kind of come to the ideas that we're building some kind of values for the company, what's important for us. And then we try to see if the people we're hiring are matching these values. Yeah. Tell me about what is the way you guys hire, how you decide someone is a good fit for you and you're not going to lose him after a couple of months. Yeah. So I think for me, hiring is about relationships right? Unless you have really strong relationships with people in the beginning, you're not going to be able to be successful later on. And for instance, myself, I am very much on the technical side, but also kind of, I would say I'm on the business side. That's my product management and whatnot. Now, for me, I work with a variety of different engineers and engineering leaders. And so I had options. Who are we going to hire for those different roles? For example, who could be a great head of product management? Who could be a he great head of cloud engineering? A great end head of endpoint engineering? And for the most part, it was just listing out these names. But those people that I talked to, like they were welcome to hear from me after I'd left Forest Point. They said, wow, like I would love to talk to you. Like just because of our relationship, friendship and how they supported me and I supported them during our time together. Okay, great. How big is the team right now? I'm wondering. We're now at 30 people, right? So for us, like there's two components to hiring. I mentioned earlier, one was relationship and the second, who is the right person for the job? For example, if somebody said, hey, I want to hire someone that knows how to do a bunch of cloud serverless on AWS. There's like a lot of people I would know that could potentially do that. And there's a lot of people that I know that could learn to do that. But the people that start off should know how to do that. And they should know how to get the right people into the team as well. And so... Of course, it's a team effort after that. Once you get the leadership in place, then those people as well as myself are working to help supplement the team and make sure we have the right proper team. And making those decisions is super important. You have to know when you're going to have the right team in place and when you don't have the right team in place. And we have to actually go in and hire some new people. What is your process to know, like you say it's super important. Do you have like a check and balance? Do you meditate? Do you potentially have like evening time when you're like, okay, this is a critical moment. I need to make changes. Like, how this decision came? And how do you make sure you're not rushing? He's doing something yeah. like, oh, shit, it was too fast. No, that's a great question, actually. I have, I'll give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Gary Crawl. So he was my first boss at Symantec. He's, you know, already retired, much older than me. But, you know, we always like every day we go for, you know, some level of like a conversation over a walk or something. And when we chat, it's like, hey, Kunal, don't you feel like this is a problem? And it's a very logical discussion. It's not a, and that is really my meditative period where I, we just kind of talk through a couple of things and figure out what is that 
issue? Is it an issue? And usually it's very, I mean, it's about rethinking the problem, right? Okay. Clearly people aren't able to work on, let's just give an example on the front end. There's a lot of deep issues. There's a lot of things not placed properly. Do we need to upgrade our talent on the front end team? Something like that. So you bring a point that it's not a self-meditation or self-work. It's a mentor. So it's important to have a mentor, someone that you trust, but also maybe outside that can look on the things from different perspective that you can run stuff by and he will give you, or she will give you an opinion and you can decide based on this what you do. Yeah, I mean, mentors are something that, they're people that you trust and know that you have their, they like you, you are their best interest as a person, right? And so, I mean, Gary is one of them. There's another one who's actually on our board, Steve Schoenfeld. You know, he's incredible and actually works with all the team members, right? To help make sure that we're a proper functioning business because of his experience, right? He used to be the head of product at Bluecoat. And so you think about these people, you know, I guess for me, they were just, they were people that were almost like managers, bosses, advisors, mentors, whatever you want to call them. And I wouldn't have been able to do this if it wasn't for them. This is great. There's a lot of tasks and things you need to do as a CEO. Yeah. And you have 30 people, not, there's a lot, quite a lot of people for a young company. How do you stay on top of all the tasks and how you make sure that you're actually dealing with the right task? Because I saw you commenting on LinkedIn, answering private messages. You're very involved and it's good, but there's probably a lot of things to do. Yeah, I mean, the LinkedIn one is, I, you know, I have this theory, right? Is that none of us are ever going to be as busy as like a celebrity, you know? Like, oh, no, 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 no. You're completely wrong. The busiest people are the ones that have twins and a lot of kids. Celebrities have different <laughs> problems, okay? You can always put kids sometimes too. Yes, you can always postpone something, but you cannot postpone the kids. <laughs> They're not course, the care. And that's why actually where when somebody messages me, like I always try to respond. And that's why I respond to each comment, every message as much as I can, because I really appreciate it. You know, somebody's going out of their way and doing that. But when it comes to the actual product and company side, I think that a big part of it is where is your focus for this quarter? let's just say quarter, two, three months. And so in the beginning, it was about two things, right? Like one, let's get the base level of what we're trying to build very clear from a vision perspective. Like, and not just that, but let's make sure there's a resulting user experience that satisfies that. And the reason why the user experience was so important is because, you know, when Erica was drawing and pulling it together and actually designing it, it had to work exactly how someone can go in and quickly configure things. And again, you've seen that for yourself. Then the second part of it was hiring and actually engineering the product and making sure we have the right people in place. And that was the focus until probably around July-ish of this year, right? And then once we actually started to give this in a controlled availability state to customers, my focus shifted as well. It's like one, stability. And two, you have to make sure we're getting customers using this. And that was meaning you as in me. So, so I'm you're doing the sales. Yeah, so you're doing sales, somebody doing engineering, everybody has their own tasks. How do you guys connect daily, weekly to make sure you're all going to the right direction? Yeah, so we have people in each role now. We have some people in the sales side, we have people in the marketing side and in the engineering side and kind of more the finance side as well. 
so like if you put the, together the team, like there is an owner or a leader for each individual area. And so every week we meet at least a few times, depending on what area it is, and make sure that we're on track for what we're trying to do. Okay. I had this question I asked people, it's called chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Do you go from something to customers you don't have yet, or if the customer asks, or you absolutely wait until you have it and then you say you have? I think it comes down to what you're building, right? Like for us, we're building a new approach that's much more beautiful to a problem that customers already have. And so there was no point of us going to 10 customers and saying, hey, look at this, look at this, because you know, they're going to want to see the actual product, right? And they're going to need to see it. And so I guess, yes, the egg is going to come first because you're, you know, you need to see it hatch, right? Like it's hatched and, uh, and then it comes together. Okay, fair enough. If you can go back, and it's not very long time because the company is relatively yeah. <laughs> and you can recommend something to yourself to do different, what it will be? That's a good question. I think every single time we go in and start working on a project, like the decisions I made in the past directly influence what we're going to do in the future. So I don't know if I would necessarily change something that we did because all of it led to learning and all of it led to where we are today. And I think we're in an amazing situation today. I think there's always going to be like here, small minor things, but uh, the beauty of the company was that everybody was involved in decision-making processes. And, you know, like this directly led to the success that we have today. Was there an event that helped you understand that, yes, I am the right truck, I'm the well and the right product. I don't need to change directions. I'm going where I wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, it happens in different layers at different times, right? Like, so for example, let me give you the most recent example is two days ago, there was a customer that started using the technology after we had a couple of pitch meetings. And so when they started using it, I got on the phone with one of their security engineers and the guy was like, started using it and it came to me and said, Kuno, this is the easiest cybersecurity product I use. And they don't have a small amount of devices. They have 3000 devices. And he was so excited about using it. And he loved the name, the visuals, everything. And when you think about it, when someone else like that says and says, Hey, yo, by the way, this would have taken like five meetings with 25 different people over the course of a month, just to get the access that I have today versus now we're already in prod and it's been less than an hour. Like that gets me really excited and tells me I'm on the right track. This is very good. And I think it's a good positive <laughs> feedback. We're going to switch gears right now. We're going to talk about dark yeah. side. Everybody that's listening, dark please side. continue listening. I hope you guys still here. You can also support us on Patreon as well. It's definitely required or kind of wished. So we're going to talk about bad stuff because not everything is pink and nice. There's always something yeah. happening. And the smart of us learning from mistakes, understanding. And I'm wondering... Would you can share any stories about bad meetings, bad to maybe POCs, customers, or something that you wish you didn't have in your life? No. Yeah, I think that the, whenever we have a meeting, there's always a particular output, right? And so when you're internal, more internal, like as we're building something, there's a lot of knowns, right? There's not like a, oh, we have a product and we don't know how to build it. Like the team knows how to do these things. But when it comes to external, like you're talking to a customer, you know, there is, it can be disheartening, right? Like if I, you and I are talking and we're having this conversation, we had a great conversation and then I can't get back in touch with you. 
that sort of sucks. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of ups and downs with the external side, which I had to learn a lot about over the last couple of months. Because for me, I, you know, we, as much as we were in front of customers at, you know, these, my previous companies, like I used to be in, in front of customers all the time, but that was to do a meeting, right? That was not to like actually get the meeting. And so that was a very challenge, big challenge. And like I said, it was not, it, it's not exactly the most positive thing is that you're trying to reach out to someone and it's not like they don't want to meet with you. They're just too busy and don't really respond. So it's, and ultimately there's been times where people responded after a month, but it's a lot of ups and downs. Okay. Fair. Anything else particular on this point? Or something you will change or you can change and avoid if you kind of lesson learned? Yeah. I mean, lessons learned, I think anyone that's starting a company, I mean, they should know that it is a very lonely journey in a lot of ways, but the way to make it less lonely is to work with people that you really fundamentally enjoy getting up every day and working with. You know, like when I'm feeling a little negative, like I mentioned earlier about something, then, you know, our head of product, he always says, you know, his name's Aiden, he's based in Ireland, is, you know, down with the neggies, up with the pausies. So it's like, he always wants to be positive, right? And that's what we have to do as a team, right? We always have to make people feel excited about it. You know, and some of the best times that I can have is go in and, and, you know, sit with everyone, have a breakfast or have a lunch or a dinner with the team, whoever's based in the California, for example, we just get together and then just have a conversation and just chill out, you know, and talk about whatever. It doesn't have to be work-related. And a lot of these people I've known for 10 years, you know, so they've known me for a very long time. So they know when things are good and they know when things are not good. We're very good at reading each other. Yeah. Kunal, thank you very much. Anything else you want to add? Oh, we're so excited to be here. And thank you for trying out the product and using it for yourself. That was really incredible. To be honest, that was one of the most exciting things is that I'm not just talking to someone who's going to ask me a couple of questions, but you yourself have gone and tried it and seen what we've built. So thank you for that. Awesome. For everyone who's listening, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, everyone. Yeah.